In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, what are the implications for the U.S. Navy's new protocol for pilots reporting sightings of unexplained aerial phenomena? They've got a serious problem on their hands. I, I, I don't know where it's going to go. It'll go six ways a Sunday if one of these pods or a group of them come out and say, listen, or call a press conference and risk their pension and risk their jobs and do everything and say, we've had enough. It could come to that. I'm not saying that it will, but the kind of pressure that's on these guys because they're seeing what they're seeing in the reality and they know these craft are not out of Earth origin. So when you know something that well, you have to make a decision. Whether you stand up for the rights of knowing what's really going on or you say, okay, I'm going to back off. This podcast is supported by Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. If you're ready to get serious about dealing with your ghost or demon problem, it's time to bring in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors. Call them at 1-866-724-0800. 1-866-724-0800. Or email them at paranormalcontractors at gmail.com. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night.
Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. UFO disclosure advocate is here to comment on a recent news story that the U.S. Navy is updating and formalizing its protocol for pilots to report on UFO sightings. What does this really mean? Why are they doing this? We'll unpack that in just a moment. Just a reminder, I'll be on Coast to Coast AM this weekend, hosting Saturday, May the 11th, Sunday, May 12th, and the following Sunday on May the 19th, when I'll be filling in for my esteemed colleague, George Knapp. As always, go to Coast to Coast AM to find a radio station near you where you can listen. Navy pilots who think they may have seen unidentified flying objects will now have a detailed means of reporting unexplainable events so the military can keep track of what may or may not be happening. The Navy is updating and formalizing the process by which reports of any such suspected incursions can be made to cognizant authorities, the Navy said in a statement. A new message to the fleet that will detail the steps for reporting is in draft, the statement added. The Navy officially doesn't think aliens have been flying in U.S. airspace, but as one Navy official says, there have been a number of reports of unauthorized and or unidentified aircraft entering various military-controlled ranges and designated airspace in recent years. These kind of incursions can be both a security risk and pose a safety hazard for both Navy and Air Force aviation. And for safety and security concerns, the Navy and USAF take these reports very seriously and investigates each and every report, quote, end quote. So what's this all about? Here to discuss is the executive director of Zealand News Network. Victor's research and analysis of anomalous aerial phenomenon spans over 30 years. His experience involves UFO sightings, report investigation, counseling work with individuals reporting anomalous experiences, presentations, and journalism in the field of ETI disclosure issues. Victor Vigiani, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend? Just fine, Richard. It's great to be with you again. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has. Too long. Too long. But these are exciting times. Things just seem to be coming at us at a tremendous uh, rate right now. And I wanted to talk to you about uh, this story that is getting a great deal of coverage. You've been tweeting about it. And that is that the U.S. Navy is setting up new guidelines for UFO reports. And I wanted to get your take on what's going on there. Well, essentially what has happened, as it turns out, the uh, um, the Washington Post, uh, one of their writers, uh, her name is Deanna Paul, and another article in Politico um, was, was sent out, I, be, I believe, by Brian Bender earlier in, um, in, in, in April, actually 20, the 23rd for Politico, and I think it was the 25th for the Washington Post. And they, they got some information about pilots expressing, uh, Navy pilots that is, um, after the uh, some of the, uh, I guess, the, the sightings that these pilots had as a result of the Pentagon investigation and the way it came out with the video uh, 
on like the, the Pentagon. Like the Tic Tacs and uh, that's right. Yeah. The, the USS Nimitz back in 2004. Yes. That's right. All of those scenarios packaged as a bundle. Uh, the the Navy pilots began to express, uh, either among themselves or overtly through to other people, their frustration that the administration within the Navy wasn't wasn't taking their their report seriously. Or if they were taking the report seriously, they were saying, "Fine, thank you very much for your information, but don't talk to anybody. This is just the the end of the line for you." And uh, and then nothing would happen. So this created uh, as uh, Dina Paul. Um, said it created a lot of anger, not just frustration among the pilots, and they did express the uh, that frustration to the uh, um, to the administration within the Navy, and as a result of that, the the Air Force did um, respond because I guess they wanted to make sure that their pilots were happy campers, I suppose, uh, rather than running off and going to NARCAP or different other agencies or even to the media with their stories about these UFO uh, encounters, which there were just many, many of. It, it wasn't just the ones that were reported back, um, you know, in, in the years that you were talking about in 2007 and all of that. It was just the whole package of these things coming out and pilots just having to deal with it. And I, I liken it back, and I think you and I have talked about this before, uh, back in the, you know, I guess the 30s and the 40s when child abuse was something that, no one ever talked about you know families would go through it they would have situations in their in their homes and families and uh, it was sort of like the the skeleton in everybody's closet that no one uttered a word about and eventually and i I was at the forefront of this in the in the late 70s and early 80s in the schools where the public health departments began coming into schools and doing in services and, and little plays and vignettes with children to encourage them to talk about this frustration that they were having internally with you know, their relatives or parents doing things to them in an abusive way. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates broke loose with these children disclosing. They just got fed up and they said, well, it's safe for me to talk about this now. And as a result of that, we have child abuse legislation now. And I mean, the, the situation has improved a, a lot. It's still not perfect, but at least the children have a, a conduit through which they can express um, the, the, the kinds of feelings that they're having and, and the experiences they're, that they're being exploited. And I think it's the same kind of thing, Richard, with the pilots in a, in a national security way, because the pilots know that what they're seeing and it's articulated very clearly in the Washington Post and the uh, the political art, uh, Politico article that these craft uh, perform maneuvers that are just outpacing these sophisticated CF-18 and other kinds of Navy jets and speeds of, of unimaginable proportion. And and the pilots are just saying these are our these are definitely not our craft. So what do you do with that information? And as you know. Uh, uh, you know, post-traumatic distress uh, stress syndrome is a, is a very um, uh, influential thing with people in the military. And you can only withhold this kind of information so long. And the frustration and the anger builds uh, not just in an individual pilot, but as a group. So I think the Navy took this very seriously and then um, expressed uh, their concern that we should we should do something about this. So they put forward guidelines as to how uh, pilots, how and when pilots could report their um, their observations to the Navy administration and feel that this uh, that the phenomenon that they're that they were uh, you know uh, observing would be taken seriously. And I think it's it's gone a long way to satisfying uh, that frustration and dealing with the anger these pilots are um, are experiencing. So it's a it's a it's a definite move forward in in a, in a 
in addition to that, all of this really, Richard, is coming to a head because it's forcing the Navy to admit that something strange is going on. And that's what the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the public relations people in the, in the Navy have, in fact, admitted that they've got to get to the bottom of this stuff. Well, um, you're right. I mean, pro-disclosure advocates are certainly lauding the news uh, sort of as vindication for their movement. They see this development as proof that the U.S. Navy is acknowledging the existence of UFOs. But, I mean, are they? Because if you in the article, it, it makes it quite clear that the, um, the Navy doesn't consider these objects that, the, that its personnel are reporting as alien craft, quote-unquote. Uh, so, I mean, they're being um, a, a somewhat Cape vague point. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, the... I guess you have to look at this in gradients of, of disclosure, or gradients of understanding or of expression. Just for the Navy to say um, that uh, as part of this effort, the Navy, the Navy is updating and formalizing the process, and we've got to get to the bottom of what's going on you know, for the safety and concerns of the pilots and, and national security. And for them to admit that, uh, Luis Elizondo, uh, the, the former head of the Pentagon uh, investigation program from 2007 to 2012, A-tip. he... ATIP, right, the, that program, the uh, the Advanced Aerospace Identification Program, he stated very clearly in the article by, uh, by Ms. Paul that this is the biggest step by the Navy in decades to bring about these guidelines. And for Luis Elizondo to say that about an American military organization is, um, is a real bonus because they're admitting that something is going on that they don't have any control of. And I think what they're admitting is what you and I have talked about for years, and I know that Richard Dole and I have, have talked about this a lot, that these craft are coming and going and entering military airspace with impunity, coming and going as if it's just a daily routine to them. And I think for the Navy to admit what they have admit, admitted so far in terms of what they're um, looking at and allowing pilots to talk about is, in fact, an, a, a sort of a, a soft disclosure statement by the Navy that something very, very strange is going on and who's doing it and why they're doing it. Now, the who question and why, I mean, you can, you can uh, what's the next step to that? I mean, it, it, it's not the Russians. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not the Canadians. I don't think it's uh, anybody from Botswana. I, you know, <laughs> I, it's, there's there's only one answer to that question, and I think the next leap that Navy is is going to have to make down the road, when that'll happen, who knows? They're going to have to at least address the fact that, well, these aren't our aircraft, ladies and gentlemen. So the question remains, where are they from? Okay, and there's only one answer to that question, and that's what the research has pointed to for the last, you know, you know, 35, 40, even 50 years. And I think that admission will come slowly. And in addition to that, the other factor is that if the Navy has come out and done this and said what they've said in a very circumspect and very specific way, where does that leave the Army? Where does that leave the Air Force, who has been staunchly, over the, over the last 70 years, admitting that there is no truth to the fact that these things are, uh, are of any concern, uh, national security concern at all to anyone, to the United States of America specifically. Right, and right. That, that to me is the, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the turnkey situation. It's the, it's the switch that's going to have to be right. flipped. What about so the other it? branches of the military? What are they exactly. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters, and 
What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Well, I, I want to just yeah. get back to there's there's something I, somewhat ironic here, and I was reading uh, a piece that's, uh, on DailyGrail.com that was commenting mm-hmm. on on this, and I don't know the folks at Daily Grail, but I thought this article was quite interesting, and uh, they talk about the irony here that uh, the Navy is really pushing um, this. I mean, it's used in in uh, in UFO ET circles, the, the UAP acronym. Uh, but the Navy really seems to like they they find it seem to find it more antiseptic than UFO, uh, and the irony is that it was the it was actually the U.S. Air Force who were the ones who started promoting the term UFOs to replace flying saucers back right. in the days of Project Blue Book. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know because it's it's now we have UAP, which is it's it's vague, it's ambiguous. Uh, certainly in the eyes of the American public. And a UAP mm-hmm. could be anything, couldn't it? That oh, Exactly. Unexplained aerial phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that the whole transition from that term uh, UFO to the, to the term UAP is something that Steve Bassett and I have talked about. And I, I don't mind the term unidentified flying objects or UAP. But Steve Bassett, um, he and I kind of tee off on this one together, um, he, he, he does not like the term UFO. He, he considers it a slave term. <laughs> hmm. And I can understand why he feels that way because it's, it's a term that uh, connotes control. Unidentified flying object as opposed to flying saucers. They didn't know what flying saucers were. And then Project Blue Book, I, I believe, came up with the UFO acronym. And it, it's a, it, it was sort of a progression of how to disguise the reality of what was really going on. And I think unexplained aerial phenomena is another transition in that step. Now, what they call, uh, you know, right now, NORAD calls these things TOIs, Tracks of Interest. Mm. The, NORAD, the NORAD documents that I have call them TOIs, or Unknown Tracks. That's very antiseptic. <laughs> Extremely. Well, you would, you would expect NORAD to come up with something that, that specific. And as a matter of fact, that letter that I read at the... Uh, uh, at the, um, the the hearing that we had back in was it 2016 now my gosh was that long ago uh, about oh, the Alien Cosmic Expo uh, yeah it, it, you it, had received right. information from NORAD using mm-hmm. I think a FOIA request that's and right. you were told not to share it with anyone and you were in blatant disregard <laughs> of that. <laughs> 
Well, if you look at the the numbers uh, down at the very bottom, it says, and the NORAD commander has authorized the release of information that over the past, over a five-year period, 1,800 tracks of interest uh, have occurred, you know, over Canadian airspace or North American airspace with 75 intercepts per year over the last five years. And if you extrapolate those numbers, you're talking about thousands of UFOs come, or, you know, tracks of interest, uh, you know, impinging upon uh, our, our airspace every single year. And some of them might be, you know, foreign aircraft, could be, some of them could be meteors, uh, some of them could be flocks of birds, but they're not all in that category. So they must have some concern to make it make the term that antiseptic right. and have that many. Um, I think the progression of the ideology and language uh, of control by the military is gradually fading away, and that language will eventually become part of the disclosure lexicon. And that disclosure lexicon, I think, is beginning to get inside of the heads of some journalists. Now, I, you, you talked about the, the article you just uh, alluded to. I don't know if anyone has read the article in the Toronto Star. I believe it was back in um, uh, April 23rd, I believe it was, by Vinay Menon. Uh, he's, he's a writer in the entertainment section. And he wrote vociferously on, it's called, It's a Fascinating Time for Believers of UFOs and Skeptics Alike. And he goes on chapter and verse about ATEP, about uh, the, 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 the program, the $22 million, and what happens if, 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 if President Trump finds out about this and what's going to happen. And he went on and on uh, about UFOs and in, in, uh, UAP. And the article... I was completely floored by the not only the content of it, but the way he talked about it in such a chatty and informal way. So I think it's a it's the difference, Richard, between what is happening and why it's happening, and the implications of what's happening. For example, with with this fellow, this writer for the Star, the name and on, why is he writing about it? What what is motivating him to a want to write about it himself, and then? attempting to go to his editor and say, listen, I'd like to do a piece on Luis Elizondo and this, this, this Pentagon ATIP program, and then him getting the okay to do that. The implications of it seeping into the lexicon of the Toronto Star, I believe, is an, an absolute... Could you imagine that happening 10 years ago? No, no, not a chance. It just, so, and we've been talking about this a long time. When's it going to happen? And when do you know? It's, it's, you know? it's a good question. How long is a piece of string? You, know? you just don't know where it's going to go. Right. Well, it's- uh, I wanted to ask you, because getting back to this uh, new new and updated or formalized protocol mm-hmm. uh, for n- Navy personnel so that they feel comfortable in reporting UAPs and so forth. But the other question that arises is, to whom are the Navy men supposed to contact if they happen to see a UAP? That's right. I, I haven't read, and I don't think the, the actual publication of the guidelines is, has been um, has been committed to yet. And that's a very good question, and I think that it, it, will, it, has, it will have to come out eventually, because if the pilots are insisting upon this, and they're doing it in a way that makes them feel safe, they may you know, have the feel, okay, now we can express this and be taken seriously by our, by our senior officers, but then these guys are intelligent people, these pilots. You know, we're not dealing with, with uh, you know, the, the least sharp knives in the drawer. We're dealing with some very intelligent individuals. So they're going to have to ask the questions both internally by themselves and as a group say, okay, I'm reporting this stuff now. Where's it going? And is it within my rights to say to you, my, this is something that we, 
we've got to do something with. We just can't report it to you, and it sits in the in the in the bottom drawer of your desk or on, on in a file in some computer. It has to go somewhere because this what we're seeing is not anything of, of Earth origin. And once pilots begin talking like that and getting no response from the from the from the Navy again because they just don't want to go anywhere else with the information. I think the Navy and other um, branches of the military will be under tremendous pressure to articulate um, what's really going on in the skies and that they, A, that they have no control over it, and B, they don't know where they're from. And all of these questions, uh, you know, they don't have answers to them. And when you have a question floating out there with no answer, it, it, all kinds of speculation, and that's where I think journalists come in, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the star is beginning to write about it. So in, in the final analysis, they have to feel safe about it. A, sure, I agree with that. And that but B, they have to know that the information is going somewhere and doing something. Now, what happens and how deeply it goes into the into the military uh, hopper and you know where it goes to into the Pentagon and, and to the DIA and to national security and the CIA and all those, they're going to be... They're going to be <laughs> very frustrated if it doesn't go someplace where it becomes articulated. I guess the good metaphor here is, um, I don't know if you ever saw this as a kid. I used to watch uh, Disneyland as a, as a child. And right. One time. The wonderful world they, of Disney. Exactly. And they used to have a science section. And what they did one time was they, they went into a small gymnasium and they very delicately put ping pong balls on top of mouse traps. Okay, they filled, they lined the floor with mouse traps, and then somebody, you know, with the dexterity of an angel, I guess, or a fairy, put ping pong balls in each one of these traps. So you've got to picture a, a gym floor, a huge gym floor, with a whole bunch of mouse traps uh, with ping pong balls on top of them. And so <laughs> when they finished it, some guy standing outside of the gym has a, has a ping pong ball, mm-hmm. and, he, and he throws the ping pong ball into the middle of the gym. Wow! Yes, and it sets them all off like dominoes. Sets them all, like do, exactly. And but it, it, dominoes is more of a sequential, you know, arithmetic movement right, toward one right. direction. Right, right. This would be chaos. <laughs> this is just absolute total chaos. And I, I kind of get a sense, maybe, just maybe, that this issue was like that. Once these pilots, you know, get their ping pong ball and throw it into the into the gymnasium of, uh, you know, the CIA, the NRO, the White House, uh, the RCMP, if Canadians begin to report these things too, we're gonna we're gonna be confronted by, uh, uh, you know, information coming and going this way and that, and they just they, they may not be able to control it, Richard. So it's and and, and I, I think we can actually see this in the evolution of the number of years you and I have been talking about this on the radio how it's progressed. It's been very slow. It's glacial in, 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 in its movements. But each movement forward, especially with this, the, uh, the Pentagon release, the, the, the investigation program with ATIP, that is a sea change in the admission that something very strange is going on. That fine, I admit that. But the more important aspect of this is somebody or some group within the Pentagon wants this information out. Who they are? Is it an individual? Is it a group? Is it a consensus or is it just somebody pushing buttons? Who knows? But the fact of the matter is, and it's my take on this, the, the implication is that they want this information out, but they just don't know either how to do it or they've got a very slow mechanism behind throwing that ping pong ball into the room and saying, okay, we're going to throw this in and, hey, folks, just stand back and watch. Uh, I hope you're right, but uh, the cynic in me wonders whether this is really about the Navy wanting more openness 
uh, or whether they're they're wanting to get a handle on it and in terms of controlling it and saying it's all right you can tell me you know we'll we'll take it to the right people trust trust but that it doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. that no. you know we're going to be hearing these reports you know by way of navy personnel so for example it it talks about how this is updating updating the protocol uh, so I mean, the existing protocol, you would know more about this than I do. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not really familiar with mm-hmm. the old protocol, but it was something called JNAP 146. That's right. Yeah, JNAP. Yep. And it, maybe we could spend a, a few minutes talking about uh, uh, JNAP. This was a, the protocol, I guess, that came out of in the wake of Project Blue Book, but it's an mm-hmm. acronym, a Joint Army-Navy-Air Force Publication. Mm-hmm. One four six directive. So, right. is does that does before we get into that? I mean, is does that mean that this new protocol means that JNAP one forty six directive is no longer in effect? I guess that's what I'm asking. But let's well, first let's talk about yeah. what JNAP one forty six is. Well, basically, JNAP uh, was uh, a protocol that um, was a safety valve, and it was if you look at JNAP and the language in JNAP is so convoluted. It talks about meteors. It talks about this and that and you know things that people can't identify and uh, submarines and it, it goes on and on it looks it looks like a um you know a a, a, a beef stew of information it's everything just thrown in one big pot and it's, and it's segmented by bullets and letters and numbers and everything but it really doesn't say anything but it, it gives uh, it gives the public and the military an option or the option to get all this information it's like making sausage you know you get that big funnel to begin with and you get all the information and you stuff it into the funnel and eventually it goes down to the narrow to the neck of the funnel and then and into the uh, into the sausage casing so that it comes out in a nice little neat bundle packaged the way you want it and i think that was the intention of jnap get the information in there and then we will package it and get it out to the public or at least uh, to officials within the military in a digestible, recognizable, and uh, as you used the word generic or, or whatever kind of term you used earlier, something that, that uh, everyone can understand, but there is no, no meat behind the, the, the substance. It's all encased in a, in a casing nobody re- really wants to break through. Well, and so the I, other that, thing that, that I, from what I understand, that JNAP 146 specifies is very severe penalties for anyone who reveals one of these, you know, ultra-sensitive intelligence reports. Thousands of dollars and termination and, and even in a prosecution. Yes, exactly. So what, what, what we have now is a complete reversal of that. So I guess in answer to your question about, you know, okay, yes, tell daddy about your story and everything will be fine. Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, I'm, I'm wondering, yeah, yeah if, if this is intended to... To, to control it, to to win the confidence of the Navy personnel, appease, assuage them, uh, mm-hmm. but but it doesn't necessarily mean that these stories are going to get out into the public. Exactly, I completely agree with you. And if if the the if the questions that the Navy personnel are asking of the pilots uh, in terms of responses to what their observations are uh, are authentic and really wanting to get to the meat of the issue, that will mean that the the seniority within the Navy doesn't know what's going on. But I am of the opinion that the Navy has known much more so than the Army, much more so than the Air Force and any other um, uh, military branch of, the, of the, uh, the United States. The Navy has been involved in the UFO uh, investigation and awareness program since the early 50s. And when they appointed Roscoe Hillencotter, 
uh, to be the first director of the CIA, and he came out saying there must be a congressional investigation into this stuff. Uh, that was a signal to everybody, as far as I'm concerned. That is a that is a almost as big a step forward as what's happening today. When Hillencotter said that, it was a signal to everybody that the Navy is serious about what they know about UFOs, but they've managed to keep it under their hats. And I think to be to be to agree with you in one sense, they're going to do the same thing this time. This is going to be, as I, as I said earlier, you know, tell daddy your story and everything is going to be okay. But it's definitely moving things forward. And w- what the implications of it moving forward will be um, in terms of what uh, what the spokesman and Chris Mellon, is, for example, uh, he's one of the, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, staffer. What he said was that it's, this is very mysterious. And these UAPs, uh, uh, they still seem to exceed our aircraft, the speed and maneuvers. For him to say something like that as a member, as a former member of the Intelligence Committee staff, this is something serious. It's something significant. These are people who are inside government intelligence agencies that are admitting that something is going on that they can't control. So we we have to balance the Navy's intentions of saying, yes, come to daddy and tell us your story with the fact you know, behind or under their breath, they're saying, "Hey, folks, this is this is a whole lot more serious than you think it is." But we have to find a way to tell the story properly. And right, right. It, it, they're, they're they're speaking with forked tongues, in, in in essence, and that's what that's what intelligence agencies do. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best—it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Victor Vigiani, the executive director of Zealand News Network, is here discussing the U.S. Navy's new protocol for reporting UAP sightings. It's been, what, 16 months since the big New York Times article and the release of the Tic Tac UFO video, December 2017. Yeah, and, the, and, uh, Blumenthal and Keene came out. Right, there, yes. right. And in that 15, 16 months... Uh, I, I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get at is why all of a sudden this 
this complete, you know, for the Navy to issue this very forceful statement about UFOs and the importance of investigating each and every one, after the, the Pentagon has spent the last 16 months, first of all, uh, denying that the, uh, the, the, the whole ATIP study sponsored by Senator Harry Reid was mm-hmm. even about UFOs. They said it wasn't. Uh, and then they said, oh, and it ended years ago. And then they said that the three videos weren't even really released by the Department of Defense. So, you know, th- that's what's been going mm-hmm. on on the one hand for the last 16 months. And then all of a sudden now the Navy's saying, we're going to take this all very seriously. What, what has happened? Well, I think when you get a, a reaction or you, or you get an, an event or incident like uh, the December 7th, uh, 17th statement uh, by by the Pentagon and by Luis Alessandro, you know, resigning from his job because he didn't get along and he had to go his own way and, you know, broke the news as a, as a whistleblower. When he did that, when Luis Alessandro did that, I think it sent a signal to all of these agencies as to what I just said earlier, that, okay, um, the the pigeons are out of the roost now, okay? And this information is out there, and there's no way that we're going to be able to control, you know, 10, 15, 20, 100, thousands of pigeons. We've, we've got to somehow bring about control over the information as to how it gets rolled out. So the automatic response by these military agents is always the default position is deny, 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 or at least obfuscate, 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 or minimize, minimize, and minimize. So they've done one of those three things. So if if Alessandro had to come out, or did come out the way he did, the normal reaction of the Navy, of the Air Force, of, of even the White House, or even intelligence, what would have to be, or let's put it the other way, could not be, okay, right, you know, guys, you're right. Sorry, mea culpa, mea culpa. It's all true. They couldn't have said that. There's no way. So what's the other alternative? They either soft soap it and and do some sort of, you know, okay, we're going to change our guidelines or they're going to deny it. So they've engaged in all three of those categories except for, you know, blatantly admitting it. So the, the, the intelligence agencies are so good at orchestrating this cover-up. They've done it for so long. They've done it for 70 years. They know how to deal with any kind, any category of information that comes out from any whistleblower. And I'm, I, I can guarantee you that they may be feeling their necks a little bit. They may be kind of, you know, wringing their hands. Okay, okay, this is getting a little bit more tense than we thought. But they are so good at what they do, they can manage this cover-up uh, a little bit longer. But eventually, Richard, I don't see it lasting that much longer. Now, how long that'll be, I don't know. But the quality of information is so much richer now than it's been in the last 15 years. It's only a matter of time before somebody within one of these agencies. We give up. We give right, up. Right, right. Well, and again, uh, initially, after the uh, the three, I guess there were three videos. There was the Tic Tac mm-hmm. UFO. There was the 2015 incursion off the coast of Florida. Uh, I right. think it was called Gimbal. Right. Uh, there was um, uh, another craft called Go Fast. Mm-hmm. And those, uh, two of them were made public in December 2017 and the other later, but the Pentagon said, no, you know, we, they didn't come from us. But now it seems, I mean, Elizondo said they, they certainly did. He was, you know, that he was given the green light uh, or someone was given the green light, but he wouldn't say mm-hmm. who. Uh, but but my colleague at um, Coast to Coast, right. George Knapp, seems to have sort of tracked down the uh, the paperwork. And it's, I think it's now indisputable that the uh, the Pentagon ordered these videos released. 
Yeah, it, it, that's 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 what happened. It was they had no choice because if they didn't do it, it would just be another arm of the of the uh, of the cover up. Just an ongoing series of okay, we've got some in depth information here, and uh, we've got to do something with it. So the, the fallback position was deny, 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 and pressure, pressure, pressure. And it's 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 like you know. Bursting a balloon, you can only blow it up for, for so long before eventually the the inner walls of the balloon just say, "Okay, I've had enough," and it just explodes. And I think that's the point that we're at because there's so much information out there, and so many people, namely pilots, who know the frontline information on that. And I can guarantee you that everybody in the Air Force, Navy, and Army who have any kind of role in the skies are literally, you know, looking over their shoulder at these pilots and saying, listen, we've got to find a way to control these guys because they, they're they the ones that are seeing this stuff. We're not. Other than other than perhaps, you know, officials within NORAD who've got these radar tracking systems going on, uh, the pilots are the ones that see this stuff. Mm. And they've got, to con- they've got to control these pilots. They have to in some way, shape, or form by placating them or giving them a conduit through to express their uh, their concerns uh, it, but if if these pilots are the ones that that are front and center and say we've had enough, uh, they, they've got a serious problem on their hands. I, I, I don't know where it's going to go. It'll go six ways aside, uh, six ways a Sunday. If 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 one of these pilots or a group of them uh, come out and say, listen, or call a press conference and risk their pension and risk their jobs and do everything and say we've had enough, it could come to that. I'm not saying that it will, but the kind of pressure that's on these guys because they're seeing what they're seeing in the reality and they know these craft are not from uh, are not of earth origin. So when you know something that well, you have to make a decision. Whether you stand up for the rights of, of, of knowing what's really going on or you say, okay, I'm going to back off. Just like, um, you know, Neil Armstrong did on the moon. He, he, he caved in. But he did it in a way that he couched his language at the press conference and said, things that happened there, you know, they were, there was something going on. But he, he used language to let people know that something went on, but that he, he, he didn't use language that in, indicted him in giving away what happened on the moon when, when they landed. And, uh, and he, 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 went to the, he went to his grave regretting what he said and, 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 and not wanted to come out and say more about what happened when they landed on the moon. Right. That's, another, right. that's another story altogether. Right. Well, uh, again, going back to George Knapp, and he recently interviewed, I believe, uh, former Senate Majority Leader uh, Harry Reid. And Reid says, you know, ATIP found a lot. There's a lot there. So I guess we'll uh, hopefully look forward to seeing more more video, more UF, you know, Tic Tac UFO and more Go Fast videos. Well, the, the 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 thing is too that the um, uh, if you can look at uh, an organization called the Federation of American Scientists, what they are purporting is that there were thirty eight research titles funded by this program, thirty eight separate hmm. research titles funded, and you know the one of them was UFOs or. You know, glowing auras and black money and all of that 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 Leslie Kane and Ralph um, Ralph Blumenthal reported about. But some of these funded programs, Richard, deal with things that are far in advance of this simple UAP. We're talking, you know, traversable wormholes, stargates, and negative energy, positive energy, and papers by Dr. Eric Davis, who's talking about psychic teleport uh, teleportation. This is part of what that money was used for. And these are other programs that we, we never heard about. 
So when you when you look at the information that that, that has risen to the surface about ATIP, that's that's fine and dandy. But look below the surface, and you're going to find that the, the the releases that are going on, or that the information behind this or underneath the surface of what's really going going on, are much more in depth about issues to do with energy and uh, wormholes and and all this whole propulsion system thing. How are these craft propelled? And and I've always, you know, you and I have talked about this before. The major core of this issue is energy and how these things move. Whatever they're doing, they use a form of energy that is so far in advance of anything that we know about. And you can talk about you know, what the intelligence agencies know about the UFOs. And, and you can go on days and days on end about what, what the whole sightings and videos and everything. But when you get down to the core of the issue, the core of the issue is energy. And what these things are using to propel themselves to get from point A to point B or however they travel. And as, as I've stated on your program many times before, they're not stopping off at, at Jupiter to fill up with SO gasoline. <laughs> you know, And if, if that's the core of this issue, and if the energy issue is the core of it when you get right down to it, in, in addition to the fact that they're alien creatures or alien beings or off-world civilization and all of that, if we can figure out that this energy issue is the core of the matter, and address the issue of fossil fuels and the plastics in the ocean and the environmental decay and you go on and on and on. The energy issue will be the largest implication of the UFO ET issue. Mark my words about that as this thing unfolds. And, and the poor pilots are sitting in those seats watching these craft doing what they do. I understand their frustration. I understand their anger and not be, being able to express it. But when it gets right down to it, they have to look at and in a larger sense, the uh, the American government and all governments of the world have to look at what these uh, what the energy issue is about how these 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 craft of unknown origin propel themselves. And that, in my estimation, my humble estimation, that's what it all boils down to. And I'll go to my grave stating that that it's all about energy. And if that energy issue gets resolved, and if it becomes a working model to you know cut off your 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 um, your, <laughs> your grid to cut off from the grid of uh, of electricity coming from fossil fuels or to, to fill up your car with a different kind of energy or, or whatever it happens to be that will be the turning point where people say my goodness this is not just about ufo's or funny lights in the sky this is about saving the planet and using whatever this energy is uh, I, you know, I don't want to commandeer the, the the discussion, you know, from from a Washington Post article down to, you know, what what energy is all about, and that's what that well, when it gets right down to it, that's that's what it's all about. Well, you're I, right because because a tip is literally the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Lovely, very good. I love it. Incredible. Well, a tip of the iceberg. <laughs> hey, I think we should uh, we should we should write something about that one. No, that that's fascinating. It's a it's a great metaphor, Richard, because. You know, when you get right down to it, that's that's where the, the tire meets the road. Mm -hmm. Yes, and meanwhile, we're all wringing our hands about um, the Tic Tac UFO video. And when <laughs> exactly. will we see the next one? <laughs> that's right. So maybe that's, uh, what, maybe that's what this is about in a, in a sense. They, they, they have to disclose something. They have to give us something. Let's, mm -hmm. let's give them the lights in the sky. Meanwhile, you know, we're going to study the energy over here and shh, nobody talk about that. That's right. That's right. Because the oil industry is standing by. They don't, the oil industry does not want any of these pilots to throw the, the ping pong ball into the gym because <laughs> the chaos that's going to result from that. And the oil industry is very, very powerful. And you can see what's, you can see how powerful they are. 
Uh, and and once it comes down that the, that what they're what they're feeding, what they're stuffing down the throats of anything that moves, namely oil, what they're doing to the planet, and I mean I, everyone has to survive. We we know that, and it's a money making enterprise, and it's how we move around the planet, and it's how we generate electricity. And I get that. I under, I fully understand. It's the only thing at our disposal right now, that's that's totally workable for the whole planet, and the the green sources of energy. And I, I don't I don't want to disappoint anyone who's a supporter of green energy. It's not going to cut it. Solar no. energy, wind power, it's not going to go anywhere. It you, you would a need a bit. you would need a wind farm. They've done they've sort of done the math on this. Talking mm. about the you know the the green new deal, you would need a wind and solar farm the size of the state of California in order to to produce the energy required. On the flip side of that, Hal Putoff, one of the people who. Um, has aligned himself with Luis Elizondo and Tom DeLonge and the whole To the Stars Academy. I'm not sure if your listeners are, are, um, are familiar with Hal Putoff. He's a, he's a world-renowned physicist, and they should they should Google Hal Putoff and uh, and you know, free energy and listen to, listen to this man describe what this stuff is. And I've listened to this several times, and I do. I think we should you know interview this man because he's just a, he's a very quiet, sedate individual who knows his stuff. And what he has said is that. If, if working models of this quantum vacuum uh, energy can be contained, if we can get a certain amount of this quantum energy, one cup, one cup of this energy, if it's quantified the way we want it to be or could do, could evaporate all of the oceans on the planet. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I mean, get your, try to get your head around that one. Right, and right. I mean, when when a physicist of his repute says something like that, you you either say, "Well, yeah, right," you don't know what you're talking about, or you say, "Oh my goodness, how does your expertise bring you to the point of understanding that?" Well, Hal Putoff, I believe, was uh, at the Stanford Research Institute along with Russell Targ, mm-hmm. and I think Ingo yep. Swan as part of the you know that remote viewing. Uh, That's right. Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Russell Targ a little bit. I'll see if uh, maybe he can land us uh, Hal Putoff. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important because if people need to hear that message, and it, it's you know a lot of the UFO uh, researchers that I know, namely uh, Stephen Greer, has invested a lot of energy and time in looking at the whole energy issue, and I have to congratulate Stephen for doing it because he's one of the few people who's really invested a lot of time uh, and quote unquote energy in this whole issue. So I think there's something that we really have to raise to the forefront, rather than spending too much time and it's important that we talk about the issues that we're talking about right now uh in terms of the ufo issue and and and, and all of the the atip program it's important that we that we continue that dialogue that that discourse but we also have to in parallel talk about the implications of what the ufo uap phenomenon really means so they're two separate issues as far as i'm concerned i mean fine ufos are real and they're, they're coming and going but there's a whole lot more to it than, than we suspect and that will lead us to another understanding of the energy issue completely uh, changing the, the, the environmental structure of, of, uh, of what's going on. And when I hear stories about the Greenland ice sheet melting at a rate five times greater than, than we expected it to, I mean, I get a little worried about that. And I mean, I, I probably won't be around by the, by the time it all melts, but my grandchildren will be. And look what's happening in Quebec. I mean, I, I listened to, uh, to, to, to CBC this afternoon, and you've got people in, in, in kayaks, small kayaks, roaming around their property, picking up, 
you know, the debris to, 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 to take with them to, to drier places. And this is going on. It's 1,500 people were evacuated in one day. And, and then you hear stories about the plastics in the ocean. And, I mean, if we don't do something about this with respect to the energy issue, we're not going to be leaving our grandchildren and, and their grandchildren a legacy that they can deal with. And the, the, the blame will be on us. Victor, how do we read your, uh, your blogs and, and uh, connect with Zeland News Network? Well, I've got um, my website. It's called Zeland Communications Blogspot. So all you have to do is just Google Zeland Communications, Z-L-A-N-D Communications, and you will come to our blog spot where we have a number of press releases. Uh, first of all, it, the one that's up there right now is about the Washington Post article on what we, we talked about earlier this after, uh, this evening, uh, and then a multiple number of other uh, press releases. So Zeland Communications, just Google that, and you'll get to all the information that uh, that you'll need to know. Victor, always a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, we'll get to work on Hal Putoff. Let's do that. I think it's important that uh, uh, th- that we that we move in that direction. And thank you very much. It's been a great discussion, and and I look forward to more. Thanks, pal. Take care. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be right back with a word or two about Friday's episode. This segment, sponsored by The Horrible Movie Podcast, available at iTunes and thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Coming up next time, the energies of crop circles, the science and power of a mysterious intelligence. But we were doing research and collecting samples and things, and we both got a most cracking headache when we were inside the circle. I said, I can't go on, and he said, well, nor can I, Lucy. So we just about crawled out of the circle, and then we sat in his car for a long time, and we didn't talk. (laughs) We couldn't talk. And eventually he said, I think I feel all right. Well, he knew the way to my house extremely well. But as we were driving along, I said, I think something's wrong, Keith. Oh, he said, is there? I said, yes, uh, you're actually driving on the wrong side of the road. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 